Welcome back to Off the Cuff. I have a very, very, very special guest today. One of the co-founders of One and One, Mr. I'm gonna call you Drew. I'm gonna call you Drew because we had a conversation one time. Uh, we were on a conference call, I'm not gonna say with who, and they called you by your first name, which is Thomas. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit why you don't like being called Thomas? Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a story, it has, it has a couple layers. So, my uncle who, <clears throat> my late uncle in entertainment, um, he was the, the producer of The Proud Family, he did some really cool stuff. Love that show, classic. Um, he like, I like looked up a lot to him growing up. His name was Thomas Smith, but he always, growing up, was like, yo, just call me T, like call me T Smith. And so when I used to visit him in L.A., be around all these cool people, everybody was like, yo, T, T, yo, T Smith, T, yo, T. And he was so adamant on people just calling him T because that was just his brand. So then when I had my nerd phase, so this is really how it happened. So I had my nerd phase, like right when I got out of that phase and I got to college my freshman year, um, I was at a party and I was just introducing myself. And this girl came up to me and she was like, hey, like, you're not really like a Thomas. I kind of just want to call you T. And then I was like, T? She was like, yeah, T Drew. And I was like, oh. And then... She gave you a rap name and shit. Yeah, and then yeah. I called, uh, uh, you know, I hit up my uncle, you know, rest his soul, and I was like, uh, hey, man, like, I think I'm going to start going by T Drew. And he was like, yo, he was like, T Drew? Like, yeah, T Drew. And then All right. that's how it happened. So before we get in, obviously, uh, your co-founder... Uh, with Corey Lewis, who's not here, but he will be on the show at some point. Before we get into all, uh, all that, you said your nerd face. So, I can't see it. You know, you're a pretty <laughs> swagged out dude for me. Ever since I've known you, you know, you've had uh, a whole, whole mess of swag. Still a nerd, man. But what kind of nerd were you? Were you really good at, like, school nerd? Were you, like, anime nerd? Were you, like, watching Dragon Ball Z during all of it. and shit? All of it. I was a, so... You're a DBZ fan? Oh yeah, me too. Bro. I used to draw it. Who's your favorite character? Um, it's a good question, man. Honestly, probably, probably Gohan. You like Gohan? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Vegeta guy. I always Vegeta, like kind of the bad, yeah. the bad guys. I, I just identify with Gohan because of his story of of if he tapped into who he really was, he could be the greatest. Damn, that's deep. That's so awesome. that's that's like. Goku, I, kind of a bad dad. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he was, like, dying all the time, like, training. Yeah, you know what like, I mean? Like, wasn't really, never really hugged him. He's like, Gohan, come yeah, on. Yeah, like. You got to toughen up. Yeah, but it, I, I, I just saw it, and it was like, yo, like, once he, like, once he tapped in, they were like, yeah. and then everybody was like, <gasps> like, Gohan couldn't be the most powerful in it. Like, always, always identified. I used, to, 9, I used to draw it. Yeah, it was funny because I used to, like... I used to draw them all the time. I used to too. draw black Dragon Ball Z, so I used to give him, like, a fade. <laughs> I used to get... I used to, like, give him... Yo, that would be hard now if yeah. they did that now. Yeah. Somebody's got to, like, do that and put that on yeah. a shirt. Like, I used give, to, him, give him, like, the bishop from the roof, like, the high top, big daddy cane shit. Yeah. Damn, yo, we should do that. Yeah. But, no, the, 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 the nerd thing, man. Yeah, I was... It started when I was when That's I was why young. The Proud man. Family was so dope though too. Yeah, because that was cartoons. You know, uh, there wasn't a lot of cartoons to identify. No, nah, no, nah, hell no. I mean, that's that's why. So you know, I, I'd always been kind of just ahead mentally. Like I skipped first grade. What? Uh, 
Yeah, I was able to. I was reading chapter books at like three years old. Oh, um, so you're not really a nerd. You're like a like a savant. I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, I was a nerd. I was doing like long division at three months and shit. Yeah, I, so, but it was like, but because of the way, like, because of the way my brain started to be set up, I I became obsessed with. I just I had this obsessive personality, and it was just like. I saw something, and as soon as I figured it out or cracked it, I was on to the next thing because I just I figured stuff out really quick. And if I didn't like something, I I did not care about it. So I was in all AP courses. I was at a gifted and talented school, like all that type of stuff. But if you look at the courses and what I what I did work on, all the teachers that engaged me and all the subjects I cared about, I had A's and A pluses, and the other ones I I failed out. Because I would be, oh, I would really? be, oh yeah, I would be in class. I'll be drawing in class. I'll be writing stuff in class. I would be, I couldn't focus for right. long periods of time because yeah. I wasn't. If it didn't get me excited, if I didn't understand it, and my mom would always tell me like, you always you question everything. I would come home and be like, yo, why, why yeah, am I learning just being this? An annoying ass kid. Oh yeah, super <laughs> annoying. Bro, I used to hide my report cards. Oh me Bro, too. It was, it was. Cause, but but I knew I was just like yo, and then the, the whole nerd thing. That's that's why I didn't fit in because it was like the whole thing. I went to you know Catholic school, white. It was all like my friends were like you know you're the you're the whitest black kid I've ever met in my life. And I was like, what does that mean? Like because I'm articulate, because right. you know I enunciate my words, because I'm smart. So then yeah, boom, because I didn't spit a 16 bar freestyle when I came to class. <laughs> yeah. So it became, it became, I didn't fit in with the white kids cause I was black. I didn't fit in with the black kids cause I acted too white. Oh, so, so then, you got it from both sides. Yeah. So then I was like outcast really. I really only had, do you have any like good friends back from when you were a kid now? Yeah. Um, Austin Stevens, um, high school friend. He was like really one of the only kids in high school in my neighborhood that like was was a white kid that that just identified with me as a person yeah as a didn't friend. give a fuck yeah uh and you know samantha barman is another um girl from high school who i'm still close to she's like a sister to me like she was these were the only people in high school that helped you actually, get through it kind of yeah that yeah. like i had friends right. <laughs> like yeah, and, yeah, that, yeah. and other than that like my friends were music and reading and making beats and I, there was a time period where I was obsessed with, like, space. Oh, I'm, I'm in that phase right now. Yeah. Like, I'm in a big... Yeah, dude, I watched, <coughs> I watched the fucking Interstellar again for, like, the yeah. third time, like, a month ago. Yeah. And I have not stopped, like, just researching space. Yeah. So, and that's where, that's where a lot of my passion for um, just mental health in general, but, but just really just believing in yourself came from because... I really was at a place where if it wasn't for my mom and my dad, and if it wasn't for um, music, right. like literally Pharrell, the Neptunes, Kanye, Kid Cudi, all these musicians were probably the reason why I didn't go through and take my own life. Like yeah. 100%. Yeah. No, Cudi, um, Cudi did a lot <clears throat> for me too. Cudi's, yeah. Cudi's up there. I don't think he gets, he gets a lot of respect now, like with social media, but at some point, he needs to really get his flowers at some point. Because he, he, he got he, a lot of us through a lot of shit. Dude, he, he, dude, I, like, honestly, 
because this was back, the, the only time I've been, I've told you about this, and other yeah. things like the only, and I think people know this story about me by now, but the only time I've, I've really had suicidal thoughts and when I almost went through it was in that time period, 13 to 14 years old. And it was a combination of a few things that got me out of it. And I was, I was like, I was going to do it. Yeah. Like, and I, like, I was going to write a note, like all this, but the, the, what the, was, what was bothering you the most at that time? I just, my, my mom and dad and my parents were always like, you're like, you're going to be fine. Like people are going to love you. Like, but I just, I wasn't liked. I didn't fit in. So that's what was bothering me. You didn't feel it. I didn't. Cause at the time I didn't understand that not fitting in means that you stood out. Mm. I just thought that not fitting in meant that nobody wanted, like nobody liked you. So I just, I felt like. I felt like I wasn't wanted. I felt like I wasn't understood. But once I realized and was talked into the fact that you're going to grow into this amazing individual as long as you believe that you are, then it just turned into like, okay, I'm just going to be in my own lane. I'm going to like being smart is cool. Like being weird is cool. Like being different is cool. And I'm just so glad that I did that because now, and I'm not saying I'm like, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm just saying that now You're not I'm, I'm the man, yeah. I'm the man who I envisioned myself to be when I was that age, as far as like what I'm doing, being, how I'm doing it, being dope. my character, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, and still just being true to myself. Cause bro, it literally was a time period where I'm like walking around. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to like sound less articulate and sound more hood. Like I'm code switching. I'm like, why am I doing this? Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, I was like, why am I, why am I trying to sound like, you know, I come from a different area than where I come from. I grew up, where do you come? You're in Michigan. Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yeah. I grew up upper middle class. I had two parents. My dad was in my life. Black father at that. Like my dad was my hero. I had an amazing mom. Like, and why, why be ashamed of that? Like, that's, yeah. that's what drives me to this day. Mm. Like, that's the reason why, I'm, why I have such a chip on my shoulder and why I'm so hungry. Not just because I just, I just want to be great and I know I only have one life to live, but my parents didn't have to be the type of parents that they were. And I know how rare that is. So I'd be damned if I don't have them be proud of and they're like, oh, we're, we're proud of you. We're so proud of you. We're so proud of you. I'm like, okay, that's cool. But I'm going to give you shit to be proud of until you can't be proud anymore. That's dope. Like, yeah. that's like, I want you to be exhausted of being proud of your son. The grind is, is, is generational. It's oh. almost like they laid like their foundation and now you kind of want to add to it, but you want to like surpass. Yeah, it. no, I, I take it very seriously, man. Like my dad, um, my dad did not grow up the way I grew up. Like, what, 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 where, is he from Michigan too? Yeah, he, he grew up in Michigan. He grew up in Detroit, but he grew up, like my dad was adopted. My dad, um, you know, he grew up, like he had to get it. Yeah. Like he grew up, everything that my dad created, he was first generation to do. Wow. What, like is he, he what just, does he do? He's an attorney. He has his, his, his own firm. I mean, actually, excuse me. So he's, um, wow. So the, the whole like Larry Nasser, Michigan State case yeah, yeah. with the gymnasts, like, my dad represented 100, 150 of those gymnasts. Wow. The University of Michigan case. Yeah, yeah, Simone yeah. Biles, like, my dad's representing her. Like, wow. all this stuff is going on right now. So he, he's like a, he's a legend. And he built that. He, 
he did that. That's his last name. That's his legacy. What 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 was his relationship like with um, his adoptive uh, parents? I hate saying that because like those are his parents. You know what I mean? They yeah. Him, but like, what was his relationship like with them? Uh, it was it was it was great. It was good. I mean, I, I had two sets of grandparents. Yeah. Because of that because, um, you know, rest in peace. Both of them are no longer here. But uh, I was able to meet his. His birth mom, my grandma Della, who's who's no longer here. Oh wow, really? Um, and he just recently got connected with his birth father, and he just recently met a couple of his siblings that he didn't know he had. He's seventy-three. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, my my my, uh, my youngest sister is adopted. Um, my sister's adopted too. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a tough grind for them. It's something that we don't really understand. But there's a lot of, like how um, you alluded to before, acceptance that they have to go through on their own. Um, it's just that, about love, man. It's about love. A like, lot of it just comes back to that is you don't realize, and I didn't realize this until I got way older, like 28, 29 years old, that I didn't feel loved in the house. Because my brother Jared, who you know, had a baby at 16. Yep. Um, my brother Michael struggled with Tourette's young. So a lot of you know, attention went into that. Uh, my sister, Kathy, um, who was adopted, had her issues as well when we were growing up. So they were like, all right, well, this one, like, doesn't get into trouble. Like, he'll be all right. Play sports. You know, like, he's okay. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of that was I acted out a lot because I felt that I didn't have that, that comfort zone. My parents are great parents. But there were times where I felt that I didn't get the the reciprocated love kind of. So that kind of made me into a person that I want to love everybody and I want them to know that I love them. Same. You know, Same. I was like, I want you guys to know that I love you. Like my dad, I used to do this thing with my dad where every time I would leave, I would say, I love you and see if he says it back. He used to never say it. Yeah, I saw that episode. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. because his dad never said it to him. Yeah. So I was like, what, yo, what is up with this, yo? Yeah. I was like, my dad probably... Didn't tell me he loved me until I was like 28 years old. Yeah. Obviously, he loved me, but like he was like Denzel and fences and shit. He's yeah. like, I feed you, like I put shit on your table. My like, dad, yeah, I'm not my, fucking tell you I yeah, love you, you my, little shit. My my dad's was 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 old school like that too, but he he said it, he threw it in there. He'd be like, you know, yeah, son, you know, blah blah blah. Right. You know, I love you. Yeah, I was I, like, I don't because you, you never I, tell me. Love you, yeah. But that's <laughs> but that's 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 what I realized, man. Like like it's um, I just. I think the reason why I'm so passionate and where my heart and character sits with just trying to do the most amount of good for the most amount of people that I can, like I'm, I'm really passionately driven by if you come into my life as a friend or an acquaintance or whatever it is, like I want you to become or leave a better person or a more inspired person or feel better about yourself after coming in contact with me. Yeah. Like that's really important to me. And I think it just stems from having that growing up and it's just like I've understood that childhood and what you go through in childhood informs a lot of stuff yeah and I've seen love I know what it can do and I also know that it's the reason why I am who I am and yeah. I know that it's the best you know it? it is like love <laughs> it really is just love can really change the world acts of kindness can really change the world especially if you do them in a genuine way like have you ever like if you if you just go on the street and you and you give someone a genuine compliment, like Changes you see what that does to them, yeah. 
it's amazing, it man. And it doesn't it doesn't take anything to do. No. Like if 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 you're able to take that thought in that microcosm and just put that in everything that you do, and that's like it's why I'm so passionate about you know, one-on-one life and what we do. I mean, we've been doing this for like five or six years. You think it's easy to get up every single day and be an entrepreneur? Like, yeah. but it's... Explain, explain uh, like a little bit how one-on-one life started. You know, uh, like what were your goals in the beginning and like what are the goals now? Oh, of what yeah. what we're doing over here. Yeah, so in the beginning, five or six years ago, you know, this is the funny story about one-on-one. Before we called it one-on-one, we were going to call it baby fitness or baby lifestyle because it was supposed to stand for be a better you. And I was like, I can't walk around. <laughs> like, I can't walk around. Baby like, fitness. <laughs> like, popping. Baby athletics. I'm like, yeah, no, yeah. I can't. Just so, like, like put it in sparkles on your ass and shit. <laughs> yeah, I was like. Like baby shorts. Yeah, I was like brand wise. I don't think yeah, this yeah. is going to work out. <laughs> but we, we, Corey and I came together and it started with, you know, us aligning on our values just as men and people. And, and it was a few things. It was like three or four of them. One was you know, are we good people? Two is, do each of us work as hard as, as we do? Right. Like, are we hard workers? Can we weather storms? Can we trust each other? Can we put the ball in each other's hands and, and trust each other to make the bucket? Three is, let's create something that makes people's lives better through a brand or a company. Five, six years ago, we didn't know what exactly it was going to be. We just knew it was we wanted, an idea. We, yeah, we just knew yeah. we wanted to create something to make people's lives better. And this is in like 2015, 2016. This is before mental health went to the forefront. This is before like everybody cared about black owned businesses. This is before all this stuff because of where he came from and because of who I came from or who I am and, and where I came from, we identified on us creating a purpose-driven business that was based on improving the lives of people and making people's lives better. We didn't know what it was going to be. So then one and one, we literally were, I was, I don't mean to cut you off, but was this something that you like focused on in college? Like, oh, yeah. like did you Dude. start like the entrepreneurial yeah, I was in, early? I was in, I was in grad school at Columbia while doing this. So I was full time. I had like five or six classes and we were working on, on the beginning of one and one. Yeah. So what made you choose, uh, where'd you do undergrad? I did undergrad at, at Davenport University in, in, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So I, I played college basketball there. I did a year at Fair State University in Michigan too. So we're both Division two schools. So, so like, what, what did you what did you like? Uh, what's the word smart people use? Major. What'd you major in? <laughs> I got I got my BBA. So I got my bachelor's in business administration with a marketing concentration. That's a whole lot and of then, big words. I don't know what that means. Uh, Sounds smart as shit, bro. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and then, and then, and then I, I came out to New York for grad school right after that. And then after that, this is where you start getting the entrepreneurial battery in your back. Oh no, or I've always, it's always been. been like that, dude. I, that, it's it's just I mean, people are probably tired of hearing this story, but uh, when I was like seven or eight years old, we had to do an autobiography project in school, and you had to write in a book about like who you were and all this other type of stuff. Yeah. And all these other kids were like, I want to be like an astronaut, or like, which is cool. Like, it's great. I, I want to be like a blah, blah, blah. I literally wrote in this book, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to own seven businesses. Before it was cool. Eight years old. I love New York City and I love basketball. I wrote this when I was eight. You've done, you've done all of it. All of it. 
But what keeps you? Except for seven businesses, but. But no, yeah, well, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. But, but what's but what's keeping you? Do you, do you go back to that memory a lot? Every, all the time. All the time. All the time. That's like one of your one first of my, memories. Because one of my one of my things that I always say is like if you're if you're struggling in life or you're struggling to move forward if you're struggling to figure it out, go back to when you were a kid and try to figure out how you felt and what made you happy when you mm. thought about it. Because when we're kids, we're our we're our most like we're our most inventive, inventive, cur- uh, curious, curious, raw. Also courageous too. Courageous. And I was like, so courageous as a kid. Now I'm I'm scared of the fucking wind now. Yeah. And so I'm like, if, if this is what I was thinking when I was that age, I'm meant to do this shit. Yeah. So whenever, cause bro, I'm very upfront about this. There's a there is a huge misunderstanding about entrepreneurship and people are glamorizing it way too much. Yeah, it's and it's it's a, it's a little bit over glamour. Social media did that. Yeah. yeah. And when when I have my bad days and and when stuff isn't going right and I got to fix stuff and all this other stuff and when it's just hard and when I just don't feel it, I'm just like, yo, you know, you did not get in this game to be the 99%. You got in this game to be the 1% and to be the 1%, you got to last through stuff that 99% can't. Right. Flat out. Like, and, and then also there's other things in there that are just, you know, doing it as a black man. Oh. You gotta as a as a, <laughs> as, a, as, a as a as a black man as a black entrepreneur. This is what my dad always told me. He was like, because my dad's an entrepreneur, and he was like, look, you have to work twice as hard, you have to be twice as smart. The pursuit of happiness, as they say, you got to work is, twice is, as is hard, double hard. You got to be twice yeah. as smart, and that's fine. I love it, but what makes me so passionate about doing this is so that other BIPOC men, you know, men of color can see me and being a professional athlete is great. Being a musician is cool. That's amazing. But we can do this too. So if I can, if the one thing that I'm able to do when my journey is over and everything that I'm trying to do is done, if I can inspire or light a spark in a few young black entrepreneurs and they can see me and be like, oh, I can do this and, and do it in the way that he did it, then that's all I really want at the end of the day. So, you know, um, I just want to like take this time to thank you too, because we've like been cool, like on Instagram, uh, you know, Drew and I have always talked like a bunch. Um, I've been a fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I didn't I'm, want to say it, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still a fan. He, he, I'll, he, always will be a fan. Absolutely. Just for, for the record, I just I want everybody to understand how, before he gets into what he's getting into, how brilliant of an individual that Danny is. Like, a lot of what you guys see with what he does and what he creates, um, it is very hard to be this good at doing stuff that is not predictable, that is not something that's able to be reproduced or replicated by other people. And there's a lot of brilliance in the transparency. It's a lot of brilliance in the art. It's a lot of brilliance in his ability to always be himself because you'll, you'll come to find out in this world that you think you can get a lot of places by trying to fake it or like be somebody that you're not, but at the end of the day, you're only doing a disservice to yourself. And so people that are really able to, to be who they really are 
and not be afraid of it are the most incredible people. And so I've always been a fan, always will be a fan, but the ability for me to be able to work with you to build a platform and allow you to do just that is something that I'm very proud of. I appreciate that, bro. I really do. I'm about to cry in this bitch. Um, you want to know what it is, too? You were one of those people at a time where I was, you know, I was coming off a very, you know, successful show that I was on. Um, and we just started talking. It's just like I felt like in my heart of hearts, I feel like when you're in the social media world, you're creating content, you're doing all this stuff. How much of it is authentic, you know? Mm -hmm. You start to kind of buy into your own bullshit. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you create this kind of character and stuff. I just know, for me, if I can't do it with transparency and tell people how I'm really feeling on that day, I don't want to do it. Because that's why my name was always Danny Priori on my socials. I didn't go by some alias or, like, whatever. I still think T.J. is dope, though. But like, you know, <laughs> but no, but like, you know, so I wanted people to know like, yo, this is who I really am all the time. Have I made mistakes? Fuck yeah. Have I made amazing decisions? Yes. And I just want you to know that this was, this is one of them because I know me and you talked about a lot of stuff before we even greenlit the show, but the assets that you guys have given me, the, just the, the battery you put in my back to be like, yo, like. Look at these DMs, bro. Like, look what you're doing for people on, Dude, on a I just, weekly I just, basis. I just, I just, I just want you. I just want you to just. I, I just want you to be great, man. Yeah. Like, I like you're. You're one of those people that if I can, we're all we're all trying to figure it out. We'll all continue to figure it out. But you're one of those people that deserves to be. Like. Here. Yeah. And. You're not, you're not one of those people that needs to be behind this or in tandem with this or blah, 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 or this, this, and that. Like, you need to be you, and you need to, your brilliance needs to, needs to come into the forefront in amazing ways. But that's what it like, is, though. It's, I, I need that support because I'm my biggest critic and also my biggest enemy, which can cause me to, I hate to sound like, like this is some Kanye shit, but like procrastinate my genius. No, I get it. You know what I mean? So it, it, there's certain things where it's like, I've always been like this in my life. It's like, I'll start a book and then I'll find another book I like and start that book. But I forgot about that you book. You forgot about the previous book. I'm like, that book was dope though. You should finish that and then reward yourself with this book. Yeah, I'm, so the, I'm the same way. The way that me and you have, have connected on that, but the thing I wanted to thank you for is like, you were like, yo dude, whatever you need, let's just do it and get it going. And we had a conversation, I think it was maybe like a month or two ago, when we were like looking at the DMs. It's like, yo, we're saving people's lives with the show. Bro, I get emotional. Like, honestly, it's man, tough for me. I, it's tough for me to read sometimes. It's, it's like, yo, like, I never thought that me, a, a kid from a small town in Westchester, New York, would be big enough for people that I don't even know to reach out to me and be like, yo, you saved my life with this show. Yeah. Like, people don't just... People don't just say that shit. Like, people aren't going to put that out there because a lot of people are afraid to tell how they feel. Yeah. And, and what they're going through. When I read that shit, that shit be fucking me up, yo. Duh, I'm just that, being that's, that ass. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, even, even talking about... Just talking directly to the people that are listening and watching the show and Danny's audience, like, thank you. Yeah. Because you guys don't have to rock with one and one You guys don't have to rock with me or... You know, 
anybody who is is one of the people that are that, that are driving what one in one life is. But what I, what I want everybody to understand who's listening is that it's really important for you guys to understand who we are and why we're doing what we're doing, because we're doing what we're doing for only the right reasons. Like there is a huge, huge gaping hole of the stuff that we're creating. Like for, for us to have the community that we have for Off the Cuff with Danny and the comments that we read and being able to help people find solutions, help people find relief, be there for people, create a community where people can be themselves. And this term is overused, but create a safe space yeah, no. for, for like our whole thing is we're, we're so focused. Like we're, we're a company run by, by two young black men. And, and everything that we do is by design, having, putting Danny in this position and having him do what he needs to do, what he wants to do, when he wants to do it is by design, having him do this thing and, and have it be focused on mental health and the way that we do it raw and real as a man is by design because who needs it the most? Men. Yeah. Men lead in, in suicide. Men lead in, in depression and anxiety and all these other things that we can't get out. So seeing someone like Danny and having our audience and bringing our audience into the fray and including you guys in episodes and having you guys in conversations, like this is not just a business to us or something that, you know, we just wanted to create. Like this is something that we are very passionate about in terms of really being able to positively change the world and change the lives of people. And this is, you know, the first time that you guys have probably heard from me just as someone that is behind the scenes, but I, I can't tell the audience how appreciative I am of you guys being open and vulnerable and listening. And that's what makes the show better. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and I think when we first started doing the show, I never really thought that people looked to me for that kind of help, you know? Cause like, I know it's like people get through levity, like people can get like uh, the certain therapy that they need. Cause it's like, they get to forget about their shit and talk about it. But I've had men from the ages of 13, twenties, thirties, forties, fifties. And my father in his sixties, uh, talk, DM me about this show and be like, yo, listen, I was thinking about taking my life, but Somebody told me about your show or I started watching the show. I've been a fan of you forever and I heard you talking about it. And they were like, hearing you talk about it makes me feel safe. Yep. Because somebody that I look up to and I, I watch every week and, you know, uh, either they know me from the basement yard or Vine or Instagram or the Low Priori podcast, Off the Cuff. My thing that, that I, I don't want to cry on here, but, <laughs> but the, thing, the thing that hits me the most is seeing that I was in that place once yeah, and I still am in that place from time to time. Yep. You know, I had to check myself in. A lot of people know my story, but I had to check myself in because I was like, dude, if I don't go to shout out to the staff at Lennox Hill Hospital, I always tell them how much I love them. They gave me a new lease on life. They really did. Because when I went in there, I said, I'm either going to kill myself today or I'm going to go and get help. Yeah. And like you, I planned it all out. I was like, you know, I'm a, I live on the 11th floor. I got a terrace. 
I'm gonna say goodbye to my dog. I'm gonna write a note. And I'm gonna go, and then mm -hmm. and then this I won't have to deal with this shit anymore. This panic, the anxiety, being afraid, I, not being able to function, crying. I said this is not what I don't want to feel this anymore. I said and I'll just, I'll, you know I'll be at peace for the rest of my life, and then as I'm, you know it's tough for me to talk about because it's like you know. Yeah, it was, it was one of those. It, it, it's very vivid. It's in my, real. Though. It's yeah. vivid in my brain. You know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? But I remember somebody talking to me, and it was a younger me. It was a younger me, just being like, "Yo, you gotta chill, bro." Like, l listen, let's try the hospital, and let's let's try that first. Yeah, you know, it was like. It was me. I, like, it's mad. It's so weird to talk about. It's hard to, it's hard to get it out. But it was the disassociation that was going on in my body at that point, like, I didn't sleep for four days before that. I'm all fucked up. Uh, you know what I mean? I stopped drinking. I stopped doing drugs, cold turkey. So biologically, my body's going fucking haywire. I'm all over the place. So I'm thinking, I'm like, yo, you know, I, a lot of people say, like, yo, they start thinking about their family and they don't want to hurt them. I didn't think about my family. You just think about getting the getting you, it over with you, you in, in my you head. You don't want the pain to leave. You yeah, just want the I, just pain want, I just want the pain to go away. So in my yep. head, I'm like, yo, I don't care about that shit because yep. I'm in so much pain. I can't. I can't. And I don't know what happened, but in my head, it just started to be like, listen, I know you want to do this right now. I know this is what you want to do. But if we could just try one last thing, let's just go to the hospital and tell them what we're feeling. Let them know. Because before that, I was going to the hospital every night thinking I was having heart attacks and shit. Mm -hmm. All the time, going in there. I went, to, I went to the ER 20 nights in a row. Wow, I didn't know 20 that. nights in a row. Ask my mother, ask my father. Confirmed. $60,000 it cost me. Wow. $60,000 it cost me doing, going through all that. Because I didn't know about mental health. I didn't know about it. It wasn't, it wasn't something in my upbringing that was, uh, you know, talked about a lot. It wasn't something that a lot of us went into in depth, you know. Um, at any time, and, you know, my parents are from a different era, so I would just be like, you know, I feel sad. It's, what do you have to be sad about? You know? Because yep. they don't, they didn't know. That generation is... Fucking in here, and then yep. and then you explode one day and, and fucking kill everybody in a three mile radius. And they also didn't have to deal with with technology. Yeah, and, and they did. Yeah, and they didn't have to do that. So listen, I, I remember I, I just walked in the, into Lennox Hill. I said, I need a bed. Because they were they were trying to talk to me like, what's going on? I was just like, you could check the records. I've been here like four nights in a row, in the ER thinking I was. I said, I just need I need a bed. Please, if I could just go to sleep. And they were like, well, what do you mean by that? Like, you know, because now they, they, they send people in there and then they talk to you. So I'm going to put you through it. You get a psych eval while you're there. You know what I mean? They put you in a room where they know, like, you can't do any crazy shit. And they put you in a room and then a person comes in and talks to you. Now, imagine, yo, know, my eyes were black under here. It looks like someone beat the shit out of me. So I'm all there. I'm in fucking sweatpants that I've worn four days in a row. I haven't showered in five days. I still have uh, the leads from the night before in the hospital on my chest still. 
I have, I have dirt marks around the circles where the old ones were. I was fucked up, bro. I was really fucked up. And they sit there and they go, what, 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 are, you, what are you feeling? And for the first time in, in my life, I was kind of like, yo, there's no one here that's like going to judge me. I could tell this doctor, like, for real, like, what's going on? Because I ruled out all the physical things that were happening with me. They were like, yo, bro, you're not dying, bro. Like, stop fucking coming here. Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. They're like, yo, dude, like, stop coming here, bro. They were like, oh, Danny's back. I'm like, yo, what's good, yo? <laughs> I was right. like, what's good? I'm we like, got, what's we got, dinner? We got COVID patients. Yeah, I'm just life. like, oh, what's up? <laughs> I was living in Lenox Hill Hospital. I had a fucking one-bedroom apartment in that bit. So, uh, so I'm in there. I'm in there, and then they're talking to me. And I'm so happy that, obviously, that we're putting this out there in Suicide Prevention Week, too, because this was something that we wanted to touch on. But I just wanted to get my story out there so people can relate. Um, but I'm sitting in there, and this guy asked me, he goes, why, why, do, why do you want to do that? Because the first thing they ask you, are you having suicidal thoughts? And I said, yeah. They said, do you, do you want to kill yourself? I said, in a way, yes. But I wouldn't be here if I did. But I know that I kind of want to. And I'm talking to the guy like dead ass, mad serious, like cutting a Ric Flair promo. Like, yeah, baby. Woo! I'm like, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, you know, now that you ask, I'm, I'm just being dead ass with you. And he was just like, so what's going on in your life? And I was like, I don't know. That was the hardest part. So they were like, listen, we have a bed. And he's like, you have to be honest with me, though. Because they're not just going to give a bet away. And they were like, have you thought about hurting yourself? And I said, yes. And they said, all right, good. Because he basically was like... Yeah, they got like a checklist. They have a yeah. checklist that you have to meet. But then also he was like, dude, listen, I, this kid's fucked up. <laughs> he was yeah, like, this kid yeah, needs yeah, some yeah, help yeah, like yeah, ASAP. Right. We got to figure out what's going on with him. I didn't know what panic disorder was, really. I knew what anxiety was. But I didn't know like what panic disorder was, and I only knew that because I watched The Sopranos. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> yeah. the only that's the, the only the education sign. on this stuff is non-existent. That was like. the only education I had on it. So, dude, I went in there. I was in there for four days, and I was just talking to people that were going through the same shit as me, and then some people that were going through different things: drug detox, um, schizophrenia, uh, bipolar, which I was diagnosed with. Which I, did, I didn't know that at that point. I, you know, I, did, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. So I'm in there and I'm hearing all these stories, man. And now I'm starting to hear that people feel the same way that I do. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. This is normal. There's a way through, yeah. This is normal. For people to go through hard things mentally with your mental health is normal. And I'm looking around this whole room and I'm telling my story and I'm telling them like what I do for a living. I'm on the basement yard at this point. Wow. My career is super successful. I'm killing it. I'm living on the Upper East Side of New York. I'm like, yo, what's wrong? What's bad? What happened? And I'm telling them my story and they're like, yo, this one dude I'll never forget. He was a Vietnam War veteran. He was in a wheelchair and he looked at me and he said, on the last day, he goes, I'm cheering for you. Wow. He goes, because I got to hear you talk for four days. And he didn't talk in any of the meetings. But he came up to me and he said, yeah, I'm cheering for you. 
Wow. The night before I left, I was watching the Rockets game before they lights out at 10 o'clock. He was like, I'm rooting for you. He said, and he goes, you want it? He's like, you know, you see what goes on in here? He's like, I don't ever want to see you back here. Because I want you to go out there. I'm cheering for you to get the help that you need. And I was like, yo, dude, wow. for this old man who has probably seen way iller shit than I've ever seen in my fucking life, to come up to me and give me that, that reassurance. That's that, heavy. That people have your back. Because people that have been through some shit, now we can have a voice where we rally together and we take care of each other. You know, that's, that was the craziest thing for me, dude. And when I got out of there, I was scared. I was scared, man. Because I get out, I start hearing the taxis and shit again. I hear the beep and I hear people yelling. You know, it's New York. New York don't give a fuck. You know, so I'm back out on the street and I'm like, dude, I got to go do this. But they set me up with a therapist. They set me up with um, uh, a PCP, a primary care physician. They did all of this for me. So getting to you, getting back to it, I didn't even have insurance at the time. I didn't give a fuck. I was like, dude, I'll pay this shit back for the rest of my life. I don't give a shit. Then I saw the bill. <laughs> and then I was like, I might have to go back now. I might have to go back for like three or four days. I was like, Jesus. Y'all got payment plans? Yeah, y'all got payment plans. Y'all take EBT in here? I was like, I'm scared of shit. I was scared of shit. But I got a new lease on life when I got out of there, bro. Not many people can feel that. Nope. But you want to know why I got to feel that? Is because I wanted help. People have to understand that we are not these all power. We are not gods. You know? Yep. We're not. Even, even if you look back in Greek, Greek mythology, all gods had something that was their, Achille, uh, their was Achilles too. Yep. All gods fell. All gods fall. So you can't look at yourself like, nah, I'm, I'm this impenetrable fortress of a human being. Because one, you're going to lead yourself down a path where, one, you're going to make wrong decisions, and two, you're delusional. Yep. That's a tough thing to deal with. Yep. I was like that. I was like, yo, I could do anything and nothing hurts my feelings. And then one day, a lot of shit started hurting my feelings. And it was a lot of shit that I told myself to forget about as a kid. I've had some fucked up shit happen to me. But in my mind, I think of those people in that room all the time. Like how you said you go back to being a kid, I go back to go being in that room. Yep. It's seeing that all these people just wanted me to live my life. One person was a fan when I was in there. Wow. I think, dude, that's, that's, that's something that I think people can take away. Is like if you, have a, if you have a memory or a moment that gets you back into a good place. You, you gotta, need that. You, you need that. It's you a grounding moment. When, you got to know when to call on that. Because like, everybody, bro, it doesn't matter if you're like the Cristiano Ronaldo of soccer or the LeBron James of basketball or whatever it is. Everybody has moments where they need to reset or where they doubt themselves or where they need to key in on who they really are. So you have to have these visualizations and these things to where you can be like, yo, okay, this is a reminder of who I am yeah. and why I am who I am. Yeah. And, and don't listen to the people that tell you like, oh, like you're not mentally strong enough or like this. Listen, you have to learn that shit. Yep. Yo, oh, you have to learn. To, you, you, learn. To, you have to learn fortitude. Yep. You, can, you, you don't just have that, especially gotta, when it comes yeah. up here. You have to learn, dude. I had to learn coping mechanisms, triggers. I had to learn how to deal with these things. I had to, yo, I had to put so much work in, Drew. I had to, I had to put in so much work 
for a year. But that one year of my life just made everything like, like clear. Mm -hmm. It made things that were important back then less important, things that I worried about. It was very tough for me to get a full understanding of like, yo, what can I do to make sure I don't go back? And I go back to that place in that room where those people were telling me, you know, yo, you're going to be all right. Yep. Like we're going through it too with you. We're all here. We were all there in, in scrubs. Yep. In, uh, in gowns. And now, now, now you can go back to all the lives you've saved. Yeah, that's what it's and, full circle. And, and all the DMs and all of the, the beautiful things that have come from this and from you. Yeah. Because when that happened, you didn't have a lot of that. Because nah, you didn't, you didn't make it a focus, and and I, I just so the audience, you know, knows that this listening. Like Danny, Danny came to me and was like, "Hey, bro, I think I was. I think one of the main reasons why I was put on this planet now at this point is to be a beacon of light and share this experience that I went through, but openly talk about this mental health stuff so I can really save people's lives." Yeah. And I was like, because people save mine, bro. Yeah. And I was like, bro, I think you're right. Let's just do it and yeah. figure it out. And his, his one thing was just let me do what I need to do. And I'm like, man, you got it. Like, I'm going to, and I appreciate that too. You know what I mean? Cause I'm going to, you know, you know me, you know me. I, I, I'm a little loose. I do. But I need someone like you because you, you speak my language though. You could talk to me a certain way. And it's inspiring, you know? I've always had, like, not a problem with authority, but, like, if people talk to me a certain way, I'm just like, nah. Well, you need to know, you need to know that they have your best interests and that they're not using you. That's, that's, that's what, it what it is. Because I wanted to do it with people that were passionate about it. Could I, could I have started a mental health podcast on my own? Yeah, sure. But I wanted to do it with people that inspire me to do sh cool and fun shit and entertaining shit. And also inspired me to just be myself. And that's something that you guys do for me. My, this, I guarantee it's my mom. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, 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 look, I look at the times when we talked about what we wanted to do. And since I've been under, like, the one-on-one -on -one umbrella, I've gotten to see so much shit that you do on a daily basis. And it's inspiring, bro. I don't, I don't have that. I don't have the shit that you have. Like, you're on a phone call all day. You know, you're, you're going out, you know, talking to, you know, investors and companies and running your own company and doing all this stuff. That shit is so admirable to me because I've gotten to learn a little bit of that from you. So I've gotten to steal, you know, I get to steal a little bit from you, you know, in terms of like, oh, you know what? Like I watch the way he talks on the phone. I watch the way you, you know what I mean? Like I'll watch the way you send an email. Like, I, I'm always watching. Like, there's little things that I steal from certain people, you know? That's what I feel like a lot of creative people do in terms of, like, art-wise. It's like, everybody borrows a little bit from everybody. You have to. To make, to make your own thing. You have to. You know? You have to. I mean, you gotta... You gotta I mean, that's, that's, that's what it's about, man. You know, it, it's about... You always have to be... And this is for everything. I just is that hard, that Is that you, hard for you to do, though? For me to... Be that productive all the time? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll be well, back in the hospital in a week. Especially, especially after, because I've, I've been dealing with, like, really bad post-COVID fatigue. Like, oh, yeah, let's I, get into that, too. I forgot that you had COVID bad. Dude, I had COVID. Bad. 
I had COVID March. This guy had COVID bad. I had COVID dude. bad. I had COVID March 2020 bad. And then in June, July 2020, bro, I got over it. And I'll never, dude, I was in the gym working out and I felt like it was so weird. All of a sudden, my breath left. I felt like a, a five ton weight just hit my body. I had to stop working out. I'm like, yo, what is going on? That's wild. Then I started having like some brain fog, blah, blah. Then it kind of went away. Now, you got asthma too. So I have asthma you too. You can check out with that shit. Yeah. Real, real, kind of went away. Quick. Yeah. Recently, it's, and I, and the reason why I know that, that I'm not just tripping, and I know this is true, like I never, you know, I thought probably a month ago was, was the first time that I was kind of experiencing some type of burnout in my entrepreneurial career. But I addressed it in myself and I was like, well, this doesn't really make any sense because I'm extremely passionate about what I do, yeah. obviously. Um, I'm, I'm doing the things that I want to do. I'm, I'm, I'm making sure for the most part I get my sleep and do this, this, and that for the most part. But I started to kind of feel the symptoms and feel, and I'm like, why am I getting seven or eight hours of sleep and then I'm waking up and I'm absurdly lethargic and I have to have like shit, 500 yeah. milligrams of caffeine to get through the day? Oof, that's, that would send me through the roof. I'm like, yo, like this post-COVID fatigue is real. And then I hit up all my friends that had COVID and they're like, oh yeah, I'm like five times less productive. Like my friend wow. was like, my friend was like, I, I slept for 10 hours, couldn't get out of bed until 3 p.m., like after sleeping 10 hours, and needed coffees to get through the day. And it like comes and goes. It's like intermittent. It's insane, dude. This COVID thing is, is nuts. The post-COVID stuff is nuts. How you feeling now? Um, I've, I've gotten to a place mentally where I'm, I'm just so like mama mentality that I'm like, my good days are good, and, and, and the days where I feel really lethargic, I'm able to just put myself in this mode mentally, right. and, and I don't know what I'm able to do, but I just psych myself into it, and I get myself through it. Similar to how, you know, there's been times in college basketball where I, I played through games with serious injuries. Like, I right. played, I have a, I've trained my mind, I have a really unique ability in my mind to, like, turn this switch on, where I'm able to, whatever I'm going through, whether it's pain or lack of energy or whatever it is, I'm able to get into this mode where it just doesn't exist. Yeah, uh, not me. I, yeah. I'm still working on that. Yeah, you it's know what tough. I mean? It's tough. All right, so you brought up Mamba mentality before. I know, obviously, I always knew that you were a big Kobe Bryant fan, but in your words, what, what, did, uh, what did the Mamba mean to you? <sighs> Dude, I haven't, I haven't cried like that. Weird, like, right? Dude, I haven't cried like that. And uh on, only time I cried like that was when like I had family members die. Yeah. And it was crazy. It was crazy what happened because I was in LA for my uncle's funeral. Um and I, I spoke at my uncle's funeral. Uh on my Instagram I have a picture of my uncle and Kobe Bryant because he put Kobe in a Proud Family episode. Oh, and, wow. That's and he, dope. And he sent, like, I'll, I mean, he sent it to me when I was, because he, he knew how much I loved Kobe when I was younger. And he was like, yo, nephew, like me, I, you know, I told Kobe about you and blah, blah, blah. I told I, him you had to meet my nephew. Chilling, yeah. And uh, I, I spoke at my uncle's funeral. Like I said, I was in L.A., in West Hollywood, went to bed, woke up, saw TMZ. I was like, no way. 
Yeah. I said no way probably 50 times. Like, and I've never, like, I don't think I've ever been that low in my life. Because to, to lose a, an actual family member and then to lose who arguably, uh, you know, was like my biggest inspiration. Yeah. Just tough, man, because I, I, I had one of those things that I always wanted to manifest and that I always had planned out in my life and that I always was trying to attract to myself was one day I would meet Kobe Bryant and whether it was being able to work with him through you know some media and production and idea stuff or just to have an opportunity to tell him how much his mindset meant to me and who he was meant to me i was waiting for that moment yeah um but it really was you know i well, when, when when people like that go when our idols go like that it's you can't help but think about it selfishly in the moment you know what i mean because it's what they meant to you it's, yeah. it's everything that you know that that they meant to you and Kobe was our generation's Jordan. Yep. You know, um, I was born in 89, so I saw Jordan at the end of his career, you know. Um, I saw him win his last three-peat. Those are some of my first memories because my dad was a Knicks fan, and he fucking hated Michael Jordan. But, mm-hmm. um, but I just remember I got to see Kobe Bryant play two times. I got to play him. So my family didn't have a lot of money, so the first time I got to see him was against the New Jersey Nets. Uh, in a Continental Airlines arena mm-hmm. when Jason Kidd and Vince Keith, Keith Van Horn. Is that when I Vince Carter? Uh, it was before, just yeah. before Vince Carter was there. Um, Kerry Kittles. Oh, I, I'm old. So I was just like, <laughs> Kerry Kittles. Yeah, Kerry Kittles. Bill Nova's fine for you. work. Yeah, he would give you some buckets. And I got to see him, and my dad was like, listen, you want to be good at basketball, watch, watch number eight. Watch number 24. Watch that, watch that kid play. My dad loved him because my dad's Italian and like Kobe was, his dad played in Italy. He's he, fluent in Italian. Yeah, super fluent. Spoke Spanish, Italian. He was like, oh, I like this kid. He speaks Italian. All right. Like, yeah, yeah. Kobe, Kobe Bryant. So, um, you know, I got to see him play live. And like, there's always this saying like, football's like hard rock and basketball's like jazz. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 it's Beautiful to watch at the highest level. And my dad used to be a sports writer, so we had, like, really good seats. And, like, I got to see Kobe. And um, I was like, wow. And that was earlier in his career. That's when they won, I think, in 2003. It was during their three-peat era where yeah, Shaq was still there. Yeah, so I got Afro. To see, Afro yeah, yeah the Afro Kobe. Afro Kobe. Then I got to see, like, Mamba Kobe in the garden, like, lit up towards the end of his career. And there's certain people that are on this planet that when they walk around, they got like this aura around them. Like we were talking about Dragon Ball Z, like he had that Super Saiyan shit. Yeah, like, like yeah, yeah, I was like, even even then, I was like 30 years old, 29. It was one of the last seasons he played, and I was still was like, yo, let's go to Brian. Yep. I went back to being like a like a 10 year old kid, 12, 13. I just being like. Like, I had a moment where I said that <laughs> shit to myself, dude, yeah. you know what I mean? And I, I didn't realize how much he meant to people. And that's the saddest thing is that people kind of, you know, when they go, you realize how much of an impact they had on people. And that's the hardest part. But for me, like, 
I, I saw the way it, it affected a lot of my close friends who were huge, huge, huge Kobe fans beyond basketball. Just, oh, dude, just, it's a, not just even, of the person. Yeah, it's not even like, yeah, I wore... I wore 24 in college because of him. I wore 10 in college because of him because I was his Olympic number. Like, but aside from the basketball stuff, it, it really was the mentality and the way that he approached life. Yeah, he was ill as fuck and, with all that and shit. He was the man, because he was the only person that I... So many traits of him were things that I wanted to emulate. I found myself looking at him as one of the only people where he had multiple traits that I wanted to emulate, meaning his class, right. his mastery of culture, languages, being well-read. Someone like, could say that Kobe you know, probably dealt with he wasn't black enough. Right, oh, of course. Yeah, probably his whole of life. Of course. One of my... One of my favorite quotes is the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And he was the beacon of that. Mm. He was like, look, no matter what, mob mentality is a mentality to approach everything in life that you care about or that means something to you. It's the attention to detail. Mm. It's the stick-to-itiveness. It's the consistency. It's the breaking down things step by step. It's the persistence. It's the, it's the care of the craft, the sacrifice, like all these things, right? And then what hurt me the most was I saw, similar to my own trajectory, after I quit basketball, I focused on other stuff. Dude, he won, a, he won an Emmy. An Oscar. Or an Oscar, yeah, yeah. For, his, for his... And, and it was crazy because you saw it. You saw how the fire happy he there, was yeah. in the... In the, in the, the the fire and the passion of, of you know, I, I figured this out. And, and just like I said earlier, it's, it's so much of who I am. Like, I just, I just get goosebumps talking about it. Like, there's no better joy for me yeah. than taking on a challenge and figuring something out and bringing whatever brilliance I have to that. And that's what he represented. He represented all of that. Like, he, he, he represented, like, oratory brilliant, the way that he expressed himself. He was one of the main reasons why I got into meditation. Right. Because yeah. I, I watched him talk about what meditation did for him. And I was like, okay, that's the last thing I need to know to understand if this is something that I need to right. try or do or really focus on. And so, you know, when he died, it, it made me realize two things. One, how short life is and how nothing isn't promised, but it really made me realize the power of inspiration and the power of impact because I never met Kobe Bryant. Right. But for me to feel that way, let me know that my goal in life needs to be to at least try to make an impact on as many people in yep. this way as he did. Yep. And so like, absolutely for me, that's it. So it's, it's, it's just like so wild to think because like, like I said, when you go back to thinking of, like, sports, like, as a kid, you know, like, Derek Jeter just went into the Hall of Fame, 32 years old, almost started crying yesterday. Yeah, he's, you know, watching he's this guy, captain, yeah. Like, but another guy, class, played the game the right way. Yep. Stayed with one team. Yep. Won. Yep. And. Won the right way, too. Won the right way. Didn't yes. cheat. Yeah, no steroids and that, you know, through the biggest cheat era. 
And it also, the other thing with Kobe, too, is, like, if the lights go out on one arena, it doesn't mean you can't light up another one. You know? Bar. You know what I mean? So that's, that's, you know, that's you, really... You, you know, the, the other thing, man, it was, like, and this is, and this is what was, what, when you watched him do these things, like, these certain moments that I'll just never forget. Like, when he tore his Achilles and got up and hit the free throws. throws. Yeah. Cats in the NBA aren't doing that. They're no. soft. Yeah. They're not doing that. No, not like that. That's that's too much, the too much money. That's the mom. That's the mental fortitude, bro. Before every game, I used to watch this nine-minute YouTube video of Kobe Bryant. I wasn't as good as Kobe. I didn't play like Kobe, but it no. made me. It made me go out on the court and be a stone a cold better. killer. Yeah, like because that's how you have to approach everything. Like, do you understand, bro? There are two injuries in life that you don't want as an athlete: a torn hamstring and a oh. torn Achilles. Yeah, those are the two injuries that you don't want. This dude tore, son, he got up, made both. Drove them too. Walked to the bench. He didn't let anybody care, nothing. Nah. And I don't know him, whatever, he's probably a good dude, but you got cats like Paul Pierce faking to getting wheeled out in a wheelchair and then come back and hit, like, get out of here. Son. Yeah, I knew that shit was bullshit from the jump, though. <laughs> get out of here. As bro. soon as I saw that, I was like, yo, come on, bro. Yeah. And this is why, and, and, and this is why, this is why, like, you know, cats is talking about, like, nobody cared about a Paul Pierce. Girl, no, that's why like, Draymond Green was like, you ain't getting no goodbye tour. Right. It was like, it they is, don't love it me is, like that. Is, right. And this is why. Those are facts, though. Right. And this is why, and this is why Kobe's shoes are worn. This is why, yeah. like, bro. The Kobe's, will, the Kobe's six is the best basketball shoe of all time. Oh, dude. To play basketball in. Incredible. And I, and that, that, that's the other thing. Like, he was. My understanding is that he was getting ready to release his own line of products. Yeah. Do you understand the type of product that that would have been with his attention to detail? Huge. Yeah. And his, his other thing, he, had the, he has these 10 rules. One of the rules is learn storytelling. Yeah. Like, and that spoke to me as a businessman, a brand guy, a marketer. There is nothing more powerful than good storytelling. He understood that. He understood that. Kobe was going to be a billionaire, multi-billionaire. Oh, for sure. Like, and it just, and it, it just, like, because what, what people started to realize and, and what everybody was realizing was that he really was, he was a genius. Like, in when you got to see... Who was just a, uh, an amazing basketball Like, bro, player. Dear Basketball, that whole thing? Yeah. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, no, I saw it. Dude. Like, ah, uh, but, yeah, man, to, like, to this day, man, I, I... I mean, you put it into the work that you do now. Oh, every day, man. It's Fire. it's like you know, I, I forever. It'll it'll always be there. Uh, you have some stuff that you've been working on one on one. Um, where do you see one on one going um, in the future? And uh, obviously, talk about the partnership that you guys are doing with Talkspace, uh, which we've been uh, releasing uh, Therapy Thursdays with with doctors. Um, I love that content, by the way. Yeah, you know, for I, me, because it's like I'm not a trained professional. I can only tell my story, but having, yeah. uh, you know, a network where professionals can come and kind of analyze what we're going through and what the listeners are kind of going through um, is great. But yeah, tell yeah. me a little bit about that. No, so we're we're working on a lot of stuff at at one and one. There's some really exciting stuff. Our our focus is and has always been content, um, and so we're investing in that. We're we're going to grow our team and, and grow some teams 
um, to give Danny some more support. Make my life easier out here, dog. <laughs> we're gonna. We are. We have a very, very, very exciting partnership that we can't announce until next year, but it's gonna be something that I feel like all of you guys will really like and enjoy. I'll just keep it at that. But you can tell me off air. Right? Yeah, I, yeah. Nice. Signing India. But. With with the talk space thing, it, it really came from, you know, we did some polls on the off-the-cuff Instagram and tried to get a, a sense and pulse of the community. Just to, to pause, we're a community first thing, one-on-one, mm -hmm. -one, off-the-cuff, everything. Please reach out to Danny. Please reach out to us. Please email us. Let us know what you like, what you dislike, what you want, sure. what you want to see more of, ideas. We're focused on you guys. We're not trying to do stuff and create stuff that we think you guys are going to like. We want to give you stuff that you guys want while also being creative and maybe introducing you to things that you may like. For so sure. when we realized that we put some polls up, obviously, you know, Danny is able to give incredible advice and experience from his point of view. But at the end of the day, Danny is also not a licensed mental health right. professional, and this is why and I needed professional help to be able to, right. be, to be, even right. be able to be here. So you know, and so the the right balance in what we're really focusing on doing, um, and it's why you guys see the Talkspace stuff. Talkspace is someone that we identified as a company that was doing things in the way that we liked and in a way that we felt aligned with our brand as far as their actual solutions. So right. their telehealth solutions, being able to connect you guys to therapists digitally so you can... Get people the help they need. Get yeah. Right. Get you guys the help you need, but also have it be help that's not beholden to where you live. Or, right. or And what's also important to one and one being... Uh, you know, a wellness media and technology company that's focused on inclusivity, that's focused on welcoming people of all races, cultures, creeds, men, all these other types of things. You guys need to be connected with solutions that look like you and that know how to talk to you and that speak your language. Mm. And that's also something that, you know, I feel, you know, Talkspace is able to excel in because you're able to give them this information. And so, you know, with us, like we said, content is very important. And so, you know, Therapy Thursdays and the stuff we're doing with Talkspace is our first way of, of kind of introducing our ideas to the audience and, and giving you guys something tangible to take away from us creating content with Talkspace and being able to introduce it uh, to our platform. And, and, you know, what's also important is just giving you guys access to a solution where, you know, you can get a discount from or don't have to pay full price for right. or and there's ways that we're going to look to expand this relationship and do cooler stuff but we're there's a lot of partners that we can work with and there's a lot of things that Danny and I and the team are going to work on but it's all predicated on how can we continue to build the off the cuff community build the off the cuff audience but connect you guys with professional solutions and things like you know our one-on-one -on -one life mental health experts Obviously, at Assets, one yeah. yeah, at, at com, you know, all the content that we have on one one life is, is free for you guys, all the mental health stuff, but just figuring out a way to give you guys solutions, build the community through these authentic and engaging and real conversations mm -hmm. and content, but then be able to ladder that back to solutions to, to help. Right. Because, you know, like I said, one one life is a, is a wellness and, and mental health media company. Um, 
we're going to invest in technology. Uh, you know, obviously we, we have our digital health program and app that's, you know, based on nutrition and fitness and mindset and all these other things. But over the next four to five years, as we continue to invest in content and the platform, we're going to also invest in some technology and, the invest, integration can, and invest in ways to integrate and, and bring more to our community. Um, because there's really a need for this stuff. Like we, we really feel like the content that we create and the way in which we talk to our community, there's a need there. Like right. there's a real lack of diversity in the wellness space. Yeah. There's a lack of platforms that are doing stuff for men like we're doing. There's a lack of platforms that are creating the type of content that we're creating. And this is all statistically proven shit. Exactly. You, you know what I mean? It's right. like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's just, oh, if you read any book, it'll, it'll tell <laughs> you it's all there. Yeah. It's, and, know, it's true. And, yeah. And, and, and what we realized with COVID and, and all this other stuff, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where when you look for solutions and they're not there, you realize you have to do something. Yes. And like yeah. the only way that you can really do something is to create it. And so the way that we are looking to make one in one life better and all the you know, things that stem from one in one life like off the cuff and these other things that we're doing, is just listening to the community, inviting in the community, growing the community and being a consumer first platform and really understanding what people need, what people want and where we can meet them at right. to best serve them. But yeah, no, it's like, um, like you were saying, it's, it's nice to have an ecosystem and then you have these little villages in there where you, you know, collect data from and be able to see how you can help people um, in the future. But, you know, obviously we have a lot of exciting things coming up. This guy probably has like seven or eight phone calls he has to make. But uh, I just want to thank you for taking some time out. Um, also, where can they find you on the Internet? Uh, yeah, me, uh, it's T. Drew everywhere. Uh, it's T. Drew on Instagram, I-T-S-T-D-R-E-W. It's T. Drew on TikTok. Um, I I've shifted my own strategy. I'm really, I'm all about really trying to spark people, inspire people and stuff. So that's kind of how I navigate my page. I throw pictures of me up every now and then all right. to remind people of how my face looks like. But I'm working on... I'm working on some some more content and stuff just to uh, just some entrepreneurial stuff and just, you know, stuff that I'm passionate about to help. Okay. You know, you got 16 bars for my album. Help people what? learn from my mistakes. Of course I have bars. As long as you got 16, as long as you got 16, that's it. I got like, bars. man. We'll get Corey to do ad libs. But um, I got bars. First of all, I know you got bars. I know you got bars. I'm ready. <laughs> I love music, too. Yeah, I know yeah. you do. Yes. I know you do. Are you saying that like you want to battle right now? Knickknack Paddywhack. Give a dog a bone. Bruh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, guys, that's been another episode of Off the Cuff. You guys know where to find me on the internet, at Danny LaPriori, everywhere. Thank you, Lamar, for shooting this for us. Um, thanks, Lamar. Thanks, Lamar. And we will see you next time. Thanks, Danny. Yeah.